The last page has been turned in my most recent read. I actually read the last few words last night. I have only just discovered who done it, though unfortunately it was so predictable I guessed the guilty party around 40 pages in. As I mentioned in a previous Cozy Crime episode, predictability is something I find to be a huge disappointment with this genre. So here I am, no spoilers, as opinion-filled as ever, and ready to roll. All of which means it's time for the latest episode of Being Bookish. Join me today as I take another trip to visit Agatha, Tony, James, Charles and Mrs. Bloxby in Carsley for a most unusual investigation. Yep, it's time for me to talk about another Agatha Raisin investigation in MC Beaton's Devil's Delight. I'm your host Ray, self-confessed bookworm, introvert, hermit and long-term depression sufferer. Join me on my journey through my ever-growing to-be-read pile and enjoy the latest of my 100% spoiler-free book reviews. I hate to say it, but these days I read Agatha Raisin books because I am keenly awaiting any kind of announcement of when season 5 of the Acorn TV series is going to be airing. Seriously, it feels like it's been forever since I saw the team on my screen unless you count the number of times I rewatch it. Book 34, Dead on Target, was released in October 2023, and I have no doubt that the 35th is in some sort of writing-editing cycle at the moment. Though sadly, Beaton herself passed away in 2019, like many authors, she had further adventures outlined, and Devil's Delight, the 33rd book, was the 2022 outing for the Carsley crew. This book was written, as were several others, in collaboration with R.W. Green, who has also taken on the mantle for her other well-known mystery series, Hamish Macbeth. Agatha and her assistant Tony are driving to their friend Bill Wong's wedding, thinking of nothing more than what the beautiful bride will be wearing, when a terrified young man comes running down the country lane towards them, wearing nothing at all. The encounter leads them to become embroiled with a naturist group, a disappearing corpse, fantasy games, witchcraft, an ice cream empire, intrigue and murder. In the meantime, Agatha's hectic life swirls along at a dizzying pace. Her private detective agency is as busy as ever and her private affairs are in turmoil with old loves to contend with and a new suitor on the scene. Then she finds herself in deadly danger when she begins to close in on a suspected murderer and the sinister nature of the ice cream business leads her to a chilling conclusion. The story begins as Tony and Agatha in all their finery are on their way to Alice and Bill's long-awaited wedding. Focused on what the beautiful bride will be wearing, they are stunned when they spy a naked man running towards them. He is clearly handsome, but right now their attention is on the fact that he is anxious and panicked. They're also a little bit concerned for their safety. What if he's a psycho? It turns out he's seen a body a dead body, and ever curious, the duo are unable to resist the idea of a new mystery. However, when they reach the site of the body, it's no longer there. Of course, this wouldn't be an Agatha Raisin book without DCI Wilkes, the most useless and judgmental cop on the entire planet, who doesn't waste any time in warning Agatha off because she is not wanted. 
He really does not like her and that is never more clear than when they have their initial confrontations in pretty much every book. The wedding goes off without a hitch, though Agatha and Tony arrive with barely a moment to spare. At the wedding dinner, Agatha's companion is none other than her ex-husband James Lacey, who, it seems, wants nothing more than for them to get back together. But initially, Agatha doesn't seem to be receptive to the idea. No doubt things will change as the book progresses. While still contemplating the missing body that may or may not have existed, Tony is showing interest in the naked man, Edward, who is a member of the Naturist Society that makes its home on Charles Fraith's land. And then a body is discovered, in a lake. A John Doe, no ID, and clothes that were clearly pulled on in a hurry, making it quite obvious that he is the dead, naked body that was originally spotted on Bill's wedding day by Edward. Almost jubilant at the fact that one part of the wedding day mystery has been resolved, Agatha, who is already investigating multiple mysteries, including drugs at an exclusive private school and stolen equipment at a local family-owned brewery, can't help but want to get involved. She just loves to stick her nose in where it's not always wanted. Without any idea as to who the victim is, Agatha and Tony set about trying to learn more which leads to Tony becoming a member of the Naturist Society, while Agatha is simultaneously negotiating a way to avoid Charles's fl flirtations, get the charming and handsome Italian choirmaster to take her out, establishing some kind of relationship with the kindly John, a police officer who both dislikes Wilkes and admires Agatha, and figure out what is going on with James, the ex-husband. As the investigation continues, Agatha finds herself in a difficult situation, the whole job at the private school has become complicated as it appears that the person responsible could be connected to a disagreement between two ice cream businesses that have always been in competition. And it is this which leads Agatha to discover a much darker secret hiding in the freezers. But as you likely will want to find out the darker elements for yourself, I am going to leave the summary here. It's almost March, really, I am not sure how, which means we'll soon be changing the clocks and enjoying the first day of spring. But for now, we're still in February, at least for a few more days, so I'm going to make the most of those and get a few more books read. The month has been a bit of a mixture of complex and simple, and it's definitely been busy. Seriously, I don't know which way is up sometimes. However, the next few days have the potential to be full of accomplishments, especially related to my personal reading goals. At least, that's what I hope. Devil's Delight, as one of the most recent additions to the Agatha Raisin series, has only been out for a couple of years, but that doesn't mean I am happy to reveal who done it or spoil any of the major twists, of which there were a few, admittedly, because what would a trip to Carsley be without them? Despite having guessed who committed the murder quite early on, I am going to continue to be careful not to include reviews or spoilers that would ruin the read for you should you decide to pick up Devil's Delight at a late date. Though, if you've read it, please do get in touch. I do love talking books all the time, and I am always looking for more bookish friends. 
being honest, spoilers when it comes to books especially are one of my least favourite things. I want to be surprised, shocked, horrified at a revelation or a twist, even if I'm expecting one to happen. Seriously, reading a romance these days, I can almost predict where the twist is going to happen. It's rather predictable, though sometimes the act itself isn't. I've read a couple of books recently where the twist has been so obvious it's been frustrating. That being said, I do enjoy reading and leaving reviews, but I don't buy or read books based solely on the reviews I've read myself. I will happily take recommendations from friends, bookstagrammers I follow, and others I know share my taste. However detailed, humorous, or insightful a review is, my decision to buy is sadly, (laughs) yeah, this is going to be embarrassing, more likely to be determined by the pretty special edition cover and sprayed edges than it is an online review. One of the main reasons why I share so much of myself and my life in these reviews is because I think that knowing more about who I am will give you a much better idea of what I like and why I like it or why I didn't. Of course, If reviews prove anything, it's that everyone has an opinion, they're all different, and they are perfectly entitled to have it, but not everyone's views will be the same. When it comes to reviews in general, I think that they are a really good reflection of how different everyone is. Though these reviews come from both ends of the spectrum, I think it's important to make up your own mind. Don't let any of these reviews, including mine, sway you. Renee gave the book two stars. She came into the series with the 33rd book, and therefore this was her first experience. She said, Devil's Delight is the 33rd instalment in the Agatha Raisin series by M.C. Beaton and R.W. Green. Agatha and Tony are private investigators on their way to a friend's wedding, when in front of their car a naked man stumbles out and comes running towards them. They stop to help the terrified man and he explains there was a dead body in the woods. After the police are called, the man takes Agatha and Tony to where the body was. It was on an ancient stone called the Lone Warrior, which is used in the past as a sacrificial altar. When they arrive, the body is gone. Left behind is a small wet patch, the only proof a body was ever there. However, even the wet spot is gone by the time the police arrive, further infuriating Chief Inspector Wilkes, who is not a fan of the private investigators already, and accuses them of a prank. Tony and Agatha know there is more to this story, and believe there was a body there, so they decide to investigate it on their own. The story becomes more intriguing since the location of the body is within the confines of a naturist club, aka nudist club. In order to properly investigate the many questionable characters, they must join the Naturist Cub to be truly accepted and trusted. As more people disappear and secrets are revealed of questionable business decisions, not to mention a drug problem in a private school, the pair realise there is more going on than they could have imagined, and it all points to the same few people. This is the first book in this series I have ever read. It's a cosy type mystery with a lot of nudity and some very unlikable characters. I'm not even sure I liked Agatha Raisin's character. I'm still marinating my thoughts on her. She seemed a bit shallow as far as her body image and men choices. There didn't seem to be a lot of character development and while the story unfolded with all questions answered, 
I found it boring at times. Though the book is a relatively new release, the total number of reviews for it are actually rather low in comparison with other books in the series. It also proved impossible to find a detailed, spoiler-free one-star review, hence using a two-star review in this instance. However, the points that Rene brought up were valid and her, ex- and her experience. I do think that Had I started a series this late on, I likely wouldn't continue, specifically this one. When it comes to the one-star reviews that I found on Goodreads, the vast maturity had exactly the same problem. They were long-term fans of the series who were loyal to the stories and the characters, and many of them were unimpressed with R.W. Green's interpretation of everyone, feeling that they had been changed and become almost unrecognisable. On Goodreads, the overall rating for the book is a somewhat positive 3.84, belying the negative reviews, which is above average and higher than many of the other books in this genre that I have reviewed over the last few years. Rather surprisingly, to me at least, it might not be surprising to you, this book hasn't gathered that many reviews and ratings. In fact, there are just 3,923 ratings and 465 reviews, which leaves me with a very small cache to select from. The majority of those, 37% or 1,468 readers, awarded the book four stars, with a further 28% or 1,129 feeling the book was merely average and deserving of only three. Just 27% of readers, or 1,079, felt it was incredible and worthy of a five-star top review. And 1%, or 50 readers, gave it the lowest rating of one star. Bridget clearly loved the book, awarding it five stars. She said... Agatha Raisin is back in this 33rd instalment of the popular series by M.C. Beaton. In Devil's Delight, it is the day of Alice Peter and Bill Wong's wedding, and Agatha and her assistant, Tony Gilmore, are on their way there when they happen upon a man in his birthday suit running in the road. He is shaking and claims to have found a dead body. So Agatha and Tony go to his aid. Moving between humour and hazard, Devil's Delight kept me on my toes throughout as I devoured each chapter. Agatha might come across as a bumbling, hard-to-please fusspot at times, but she is a smart cookie, and in this novel she shows some vulnerability. With the resources she has at her disposal provided by others, she makes short work of what needs to be done. With some drama in the romance arena for Agatha, which added another ingredient to the mix... There's more than one crime to sort, and there was always something going on to keep my attention focused. The ending left me wanting to read another instalment in the Agatha Raisin series. As a book that is so far into an established series, it's admittedly quite difficult for people to just dip in when there are so many background stories that have been told over the previous books. So it's not surprising, given the number of readers, there no doubt are, that the number of reviews has dwindled with each additional book. I know you likely thought that I wouldn't review another Agatha Raisin book after Hot to Trot, but I am so fond of the characters I couldn't let my previous impression be my last, or yours. 
As is the case where all of Beaton's works are concerned, at least for me, it's easy to see why many of the reviewers had a problem with this book. Not only the writing, but the story. However, I will get into that and my personal views in a little bit. I guess this is why I believe you have to take every review you read or hear, including mine, with a massive pinch of salt. Anyway, now I've told you about other people's views, let's get down to it. Here are my thoughts on Devil's Delight by MC Beaton, completely spoiler-free and 100% honest. Did I like the book? I found that the start of the book was exciting. The introduction to the characters appearing in this book alongside our leads was fun. It was certainly not what I expected, even after having read the blurb on the back. The image in my head of Agatha and Tony sitting in a car and the way that they acted when confronted with a startled naked man is certainly humorous. Agatha acts with her usual elan. A naked man isn't a shock to her because, as the writers are only too keen to point out, and they continually shove it down our throats throughout the rest of the book, she is a woman who has been around the block a few times. Tony has clearly grown up over the last few books and this new side to her is refreshing. Though she is still clearly in awe of Agatha as her mentor, she is not blind to the older woman's faults and despite being somewhat quiet in her frustration, she does manage to get a few comments in that are less than complimentary and I don't blame her. I love Agatha but sometimes she shows traits that I can't help finding incredibly irritating. Having read Death of a Gossip in a completely different series by the same authors a few weeks ago, it's easy to see that Agatha shares some of Alice's, not Alice Peters, but Alice in Death of a Gossip, less than flattering attributes. Check out my review for that one, including her seemingly constant need to have a partner, boyfriend, paramour. At this point, I have read so many Agatha Raisin books and reread a few more. And for some reason, she just can't stand the idea of being alone. In Devil's Delight, Agatha considers reuniting with her ex-husband, James Lacey, has a passionate encounter with a charming Italian choirmeister, and goes on a few rather cute dates with a lovely-sounding man named John, an alliance that continues into the next book. One thing I know I have said before about the way the Agatha Raisin books are written specifically, I believe when I spoke about There Goes the Bride, there seems to be a trend towards far too much busyness being shoved into the pages and sadly Devil's Delight is another victim of this particular writing fail. Fail in my view, it might not be in yours. I appreciate the fact that Agatha runs a business that handles more than one case at any one time. No company would be able to continue running and paying staff if they had only one customer. Unfortunately, the inclusion of so many cases in a book that was just 250 pages long was unnecessary and somewhat confusing. Okay, so these cases were sort of linked, but I can't go into this in too much detail because spoilers... This doesn't mean that the central plot needed them. So much was going on, so many people, so many intertwining incidents that it reached a point where I had to stop, take a pause and then go back in with fresh eyes. 
I have mentioned in previous cozy crime books that I like having some background on the unfortunate murder victims. And this book suffered from what I consider to be a classic issue. The murder victim was dead from the very beginning. Yes, we get our background on our unfortunate body, but for a considerable portion of the book, he is unnamed and unidentified. And therefore, it's very difficult to do more than find the initial revelation there has been a murder rather humorous. Seriously, a naked man runs at you panicked because he's seen a body and then that body, originally placed on a sacrificial altar, suddenly disappears. The first thing you're going to focus on is the apparently nice posterior of said naked man rather than the missing body you've never seen, right? The inclusion of the ice cream vans, the drugs in schools and the odd reenacting a game that has the potential to be really dangerous plots all tie together quite neatly but I honestly felt as though there were too many plot lines. Removing the ice cream van and drug element would have given the book a little refinement, focusing the reader's attention on the murder, the potential suspects, and the developments in our central characters' lives. This would have made the book a lot better, to my mind. I guess I have to deal with the elephant in the room now, I have brought the subject up of suspects, so I really should. In many of the previous cosy mysteries I've reviewed, including Death of a Gossip, the suspect list has been long, and I have been curious to discover who the killer was and the motive behind their actions. Unfortunately, given the fact that our victim was unidentified for a considerable portion of the book, the suspect list was pretty much endless. However, the focus was always, for me at least, on two specific people. More often than not, I am useless, seriously, I'm absolutely rubbish, don't even talk about Cluedo, at predicting who done it, and I like that. It makes the book more enjoyable when you're discovering things at the same time as the investigator, or only getting it when the murderer is revealed. This time, that was not the case, and it made for a rather disappointing read. Sadly, there was no other option for the killer. Their motive, their methods, all of it was incredibly clear. Though the other cases sort of muddied the waters, once they were shoved out of the way, everything else had already fallen into place. Quite often, the supporting characters in the Agatha Raisin novels are a high point, even the killer and the victim. This time, I found that they were rather insipid. I didn't read and think, oh wow, that was a surprise twist. Everything that happened in this book was telegraphed very early on, making this book a really quick read, but also something of a disappointing one, unfortunately. Agatha Raisin is, as the title character, the most important part of the books, and oh boy, she knows it. Well, obviously. As has happened more often over the last few books, I find myself frustrated with Agatha, and you have no idea how much I dislike saying this. She has the potential to grow, to develop beyond the woman she was, yet she keeps on returning to the same places, making the same mistakes. She is a woman in her early 50s, as she has been since the very beginning of the series. Does she ever have a birthday or get older? Is there going to reach a point where I'm older than Agatha Raisin? Anyway, that is ultimately irrelevant here. The problem I have with her is that she is just so shallow. So often the central protagonist in a book is a little annoying, or a lot if you consider characters like Bella Swan and Anita Blake. 
But over the course of the last 33 books, I won't include, include the 34th Dead on Target here, and if you want to find out why, check out the review. She has deteriorated some. She is bitter, jealous, frustrated, and every stereotype of the older woman angry at the fact that she's getting older and is no longer the centre of men's attention. And that's really it when you reach the core of it. She wants to be the woman they admire, but every single look she gives to other younger women and older women, the barely disguised disgust she exhibits when she sees a woman at Alice and Bill's wedding who is larger than her is, yeah, just slightly on the, the side of um, fat shaming. I am not sure why, and I do continue to ponder, but does MC Beaton dislike women? despite being one herself. The unpleasant stereotypes and the constant reference to getting older and therefore losing anything resembling allure as well as Agatha's own obvious desperation when it comes to finding a new man, she can't possibly be single. Just feel awful. Why? Overall, the book was not one of the best that I have read in this series. It was predictable, and because of that alone, I have to say that it's one I really will not be reading again. What surprised me most about the book? I have often said that Beaton is great at creating a character you don't like. Sadly, I wish it weren't Agatha. But this book just didn't offer that up. Every character was equally as unlikable as the next, apart from John, who was just the purest, kindest policeman to ever exist. He is someone I will protect forever. This book suffered from the same issues as one of my least favourite Agatha Raisin editions ever, There Goes the Bride, another book that suffered from too many plotline syndrome. It surprised me that this book just didn't seem to have a single clear goal. If you're looking for something like this, or you loved this and want something else, then you'll love these. <laughs> I'm going to use love a lot. I love a good cosy crime novel, and that's why I have a rather long playlist of episodes for you to try out. I will link them in the notes below so you can check out the other cosy crime novels I have read and reviewed. I still plan on writing an article for my website that offers far more recommendations in the genre, including those that I personally didn't enjoy, but I believe others will. So keep an eye out for that one soon. So far this month, I've managed to read a total of nine books, but I am halfway through another and I'm sure I will finish that before the end of the month. I also have plans to pick up the incredibly chunky Empire of the Vampire, which has been sitting on my shelf for a few weeks. With the sequel arriving by, hopefully, Friday, I want to have made some effort to read the first book before I shelf the second one to read later this year. This week, I ordered just two books, you'll be proud. The brand new and highly anticipated book by Costanza Cassati, Babylonia, that was revealed on Thursday, and I don't think I have typed a website address quite so quickly before. Cassati's debut, Clytemnestra, was my number one read of the entirety of 2023. Check out my review of the book and my 2023 countdown on YouTube to find out more about why. And I am hoping that Babylonia will follow suit. The other book I ordered, I am not too sure about... 
but Kerry Maniscalco's next novel, Throne of Secrets, is due out in September, and I am curious. Also, the special edition is stunning. Sue me. Special editions are my weak point. February wasn't the best month for my reading, but when it comes to new releases, it proved to be a pretty good one. March is also looking very promising, with books like Medea by Rosie Hewlett, The Sunlit Man by Brandon Sanderson, The Final in His Secret Project, and Hunter by Tana French, all due for release. With so many books coming out, March is the true beginning of the publishing calendar, with January and February merely a very pleasant warm-up. The book buying ban is done. I am going to continue to try and read my way through my TBR, but as I discovered last year, holding off on buying a book when it did no harm to my financial status was not doing me any mental good. As many have pointed out, buying and reading books are two very different hobbies. If a book remains on my shelf unread for several months, or as is the case with a few of my books, several years, it isn't harming anyone, especially not me. In that being the case, I would love your recommendations. So if you've come across any books you think I'd enjoy, please email me at beingbookishpod at gmail.com or DM me on Instagram, where I also post pictures of my current and some planned reads. Don't forget if you want to hear about new releases and other books I've read and keep up with my reviews, check out my website, beingbookish.co.uk. Well, that's it for this week, and all I can do is thank you so much for listening. If you like what you hear, why not share it with your friends and family, and please post a star rating on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any of the other podcatchers where you might listen. You can also follow me on Instagram at beingbookishpod, on TikTok as beingbookishreviews, and on X as being underscore bookish, where I'm actually very inactive right now. And you can find newer episodes and some book-themed shorts on YouTube where I am at Being Bookish. Or, of course, you can check out my website, beingbookish.co.uk. Well, I have a few things left to do before I begin another week at work, and it is promising to be a very busy one. I really also want to read a few more chapters in my current book because I love the world within it. So until next time, this is me saying farewell.